52 Sketches. <laughs> Welcome to 52 Sketches, a podcast about creativity and creative practices. Here is your host, Rob Head. Welcome to the 52 Sketches podcast. I am your host, Rob Head. We are here to talk about creativity and living a creative life, practices, habits, strategies for making things. So today, we are going to speak with voice artist Kevin Genus. He has been featured on countless commercials, movie trailers, news teasers, videos, etc. You may have heard Kevin's wonderful voice on Verizon ads or CNN or Saturday Night Live. Nothing is cooler than Gatorade Rain. Quizno's most popular sub just got way more popular in a world that moves way too fast. Smoothest riding off-road utility vehicle in the world. I'm so pleased to have you on the podcast, Kevin. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Um, I want to start uh, by saying I think I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that as we record this, it's June 2020. Um, the coronavirus pandemic is in full force. And I know that you're living in the vicinity of New York City. And um, I want to say, first and foremost, human to human. I hope you're well and your family's well, and I'm, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes talking about creativity with us. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because on Facebook, I, I, I mm-hmm. was keeping count of all of the friends that I lost in mm-hmm. all of this, and uh, you know, I stopped counting at twenty-two, uh. and that count has gone over thirty now. And it just, uh, man. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, thank wow. you. Yeah. Um, I've, I've said a lot of prayers, and that's all I can do, you know. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time in this context. So I, I want to back up for a moment and say, uh, you know, let's talk about your your creative upbringing. You know, when you were a kid, did you sing? Did you play music? Did you dance? Did you cook, draw, act? You know, what were the mediums that you were most involved in when you were coming up as a as a young person? Okay, so creatively, you know, I was the kid that loved I loved Legos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. when, well, even before Legos, you know, my dad used to play saxophone, and I would sneak down into the basement. This was we lived in Idaho. My dad. You know, worked in nuclear power with the Navy. Yeah, right. Um, And so, I you know, I went down to the basement. I remember finding this box and opening up this box, and then was this like this? uh, It was like that Pulp Fiction moment. You know, this golden glow came out of it, and (laughs) I didn't know what it was. Um, and you must have been pretty young. Oh, I was very young. I I was in like kindergarten. I was in Mm. kindergarten. But one day, they actually had someone come into the school to demonstrate all these musical instruments. Mm. And lo and behold, this person pulls out a saxophone, and he puts it together in front of us. And I said, oh. (laughs) We've got one of those. That's what that is. (laughs) Yeah, we've got one. So I remember going home, going down to the basement, and putting that thing together. And I don't know how old that dirty reed must have been. (laughs) (laughs) I put that thing together, and I remember blowing on it. And uh, not the whole sax, but just the little neck and the mouthpiece. Oh, right. And that sound yeah. came out, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I knew I was going to get in trouble if I got caught. And <laughs> right. so every every time I would hear, like, the car come up to the house, I'd break everything apart and put it back together and close it up <laughs> and go upstairs. 
<laughs> and uh. so then one day the box disappeared. Mm. And my dad comes home with this new guitar. Wow. And he traded. he traded it in. Wow. Because I didn't say anything. He had no clue I was even toying around with it. Right. Um, but years later, I would tell him, hey, this is what happened with that dad. And, uh, you know, my dad was the kind of person who would just, like, break down and start tearing up like he had mm. taken the world away from me um, by doing that, which, wow. yeah, you know, at that time, that's really what had happened. But that's that's where, you know, I, where Kevin, I got my it's, first spark. It's, it's a funny story because my first creative gig actually was accompanying my father who would go into the schools and do those shows about introducing instruments. <laughs> so, so he would, he did this show called introducing the brass family and he would play his trumpet and trombone and French horn and tuba and, you know, uh, you know, steers horns and post horns and, you know, oh, that's uh, cool. you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> that's good times. Uh, so, so, okay. So you discovered music as a very young kid and, and then, uh, you know, when, let's say you were in high school or, uh, what, what did you get involved in? Well, in, in high school, I actually, you know, by that time I was playing the French horn. Um, okay. Speaking I, of the brass family. Yeah. I actually started playing that in, in seventh grade. I wanted to play the cello. My parents went down mm. and talked to the band director and they asked him, which instruments get kids scholarships into college? And, <laughs> Let's get to he, the, the important question here. Yeah, yeah. He, he probably <laughs> said the, the bassoon, the bassoon, and the French horn. Which one is cheaper? <laughs> the French horn. And so, you know, my parents came home with a French horn. I lamented the whole thing. It was ugly. It was round. It was not what I wanted. And, you know, next thing I know... um. I lucked out. We had a we had a teacher in the school system who had left the New York Met, and he mm. played the horn. So you know, here right. I am. I got a chance to study with the former third hornist of the New York Met, and my first year, you know, I was a little whiz kid with that instrument. You know, it was funny. I was in seventh grade. I played so well they put me in the uh, in the high school. This is, oh, nice. Del- this is Delaware, right? So it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's small. But they put me in the, all, the all-state band in high school, and I'd like one first, first chair. I mean, mm-hmm. I was... Nice. I, so you were hot stuff as a, as, a, as a middle schooler, as a junior high school as student. As a junior high, yeah. That horn was just like, for, for whatever reason, it was a natural fit for me. Nice. So yeah, in high school, um, I continued playing the horn. I spent my time, you know, on bulletin boards, you know, messing around with computers, and mm-hmm. um, I'd pretty much decided I'm going to I'm going to music school. So, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. but all these things sort of come together because I, you know, we, we know each other. I I, I sort of know yeah. your your backstory. Uh, let's talk about how you got from uh, French horn whiz kid to to voice artist. So Excellent. How did, yeah, what's the two minute version of that? The, the the quick and short <laughs> is, I left Peabody, and you know Which is I a went, music conservatory I'm sorry, in yeah. Baltimore. So I ended up going to Peabody Conservatory. After two years there, I went on my year of service. I'm a Baha'i, and Baha'is mm-hmm. are were encouraged back then. I don't know if they still are today to go on year a year of service, which is where you go and you serve humanity for a year, mm-hmm. and. I chose to go to Lewis Gregory Baha'i Institute in South Carolina, 
and they had a radio right. station down there. Radio station, yeah. And, and so, you have a radio voice. Well, I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't back then, um, which was actually pretty good. But I remember hearing these people talk, and it was like, how come every time I say something, it doesn't sound like that? Um, and it didn't. And so, you mm. know, that was my first real introduction to voiceover. Um, right. I wouldn't call it voiceover. I would say to radio copy. Because okay. voiceover and radio copy are two totally different things. Um, I would right. say, which you understand better than the rest of us. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and, and just for your audience, radio copy is um, we're wheeling and dealing tonight at eight. Blah 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 blah. You know <laughs> right. that's that's radio copy. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, you ever listen to Morgan Freeman? That's voiceover. We stand and cheer and celebrate as one. <laughs> we forget all uh, the things that make us different. You know, that's that's mm. what in the industry we, we consider to be voiceover. The radio stuff we call puke. So those are <laughs> the, the, the voiceover people do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. But we all yeah. have our ivory towers. Oh, <laughs> some glass, some glass. So mm. I was working at Verizon. Um, I was a programmer analyst. And the uh, we were doing this massive upgrade, and we needed a way to inform the whole company what was happening. And the upgrades were going to happen in little chunks. So we figured we would put together this 45-minute presentation, which ah. would get everybody away from their desk long enough for all these Unix boxes and you know, Windows machines to do whatever they had to do. Right. This is a rolling out a Windows upgrade for the um, office. Windows upgrade, uh, all the, you know, like office stuff, you know, basic uh, workflow. Okay. So we figure, okay, we're going to do this presentation. We're going to have people in this conference room. We'll just give them hors d'oeuvres, lunch, and all this other stuff. And they can hang out and, you know, be entertained during that period of, of wait. Right. That's a great strategy. Anytime you can get people to sit for a half an hour if you give them free food. <laughs> exactly. Universal law. And, and the, <laughs> the key here was that you could not do these upgrades off hours uh, because you just didn't know if things were going to work and people could do their jobs when they came right. in the next morning. <laughs> so you had, you had to nail this. You had to get minutes. this right. Yes. It yes. was just, yeah, we had to get this. And so <clears throat> the, we were pretty confident that the upgrade was going to take place. But when we went to go get a presentation made, the people mm -hmm. said $8,000. And, you know, I had played music. I had my cheap little Pro Tools 001 at home, and I, but I didn't know Flash. So I, I told my manager at the time, listen, I'll program, I'll write the, I'll do the presentation in Flash, but you've got to give me the week off to learn it. <laughs> and uh -huh. he says, well, what happens if you don't learn it? I said, what do we have to lose? We just go pay eight thousand dollars. Oh no, no, no! You're going to learn this stuff. So <laughs> I took I took three days to learn as much Flash as I could, and then I built this this presentation. And I remember, this, okay, I I'd gotten in touch with someone at Verizon, and I I begged and pleaded for them to give me the James Earl Jones, you know, uh, the donut, you know, Verizon. 
Yeah, I, I, I did everything yeah, right. I could to get that. And they were like, ah, right. And, no. and we should we should mention this is that what James Earl Jones was literally the voice of Verizon at the time. Yeah, this this was like two thousand okay three two thousand four. Okay. Um, and so they said no. And they explained to me James Earl Jones was like $75,000 if I put that in the file, which, you know, 75000 plus 8000 was definitely not going to happen. <laughs> and so, um, it, I mean, it, it, it was crazy. I went in there and I just did my best impersonation of James Earl Jones. And <laughs> nice. so on the day of the rollouts, my manager is like strutting his stuff. He's all happy. This is all going to make me look good. Um, Indeed. Roll- <laughs> What's that? Indeed, it will. <laughs> <laughs> so the rollouts happen, and so now the whole department, the whole office, is hearing your voice on this presentation. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, th- so the presentation went on for like actually thirty, thirty-five minutes, and okay. it was just me narrating the whole thing. And right. Um, and then at the end was who they thought was James Earl Jones, and. Oh. They started asking my manager, how did you get James Earl Jones? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you're not kidding about impersonation. Yeah. Wow. And and so uh, my manager was like, no, 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 that's not, that's one of our own. That's not James Earl Jones. (laughs) That was his genius as a manager. That was, he should get full credit for that. (laughs) Oh, he took full credit for it. He really did. Uh, He, trust me, he did. But you know, when they found out who it was, they uh, they had me begin recording Verizon commercials after that. Mm. And uh, you know, little did I know, James Earl Jones had been—I'm just going to say—under the weather. Mm. Um, and they had reached the point where they were going to transition off to a new voice. So, and they found him. <laughs> um, it's the, you. The, they found me temporarily, and. Okay. You know, it's actually pretty cool because, you know, now, you know, I know all these people today, but um, I I think for maybe about a year, eight months to a year. Now, for me to say eight months to a year is like really like one or two sessions you do and they just, you know, roll for that period of time. Mm -hmm. Then they hired Rod Houston, who is just phenomenal. You hear Rod all the time. Okay. Um, on CBS Sports, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go yeah. figure. Um, but yeah, Rod is you know straight out of Philadelphia. Re- I mean, he's a really cool brother. I, I mm-hmm. really like Rob. Nice. Um, I'm saying nice. Rob because I'm talking to you, but Rod. Um, Rod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about. Uh, so you you sort of stumble into this new uh, career doing doing narration voiceover. This is not something you studied. I mean, you mentioned that you spent a year at Lewis Gregory uh, radio station in, in South Carolina, but right. um, you hadn't. I mean, you'd studied French horn, not not voiceover. Yeah. So, how did you train? How did you how did how did you level up to the point where you could do these national commercials with confidence and a sense of uh, professionalism? Uh, the first, the Verizon job was a wake up call. Yeah. Uh, it took me all day, tons of takes. Mm. And, you know, but it was, it was fun. I left with a horse throat. And, mm. you know, I, I knew it shouldn't be, it, this, this is not what's supposed to happen. 
Right. So I, I, I really looked in earnest for people who actually, well, what I did was this. I, I wrote a scraper that would scrape all things that said voiceover or VO. And, and <laughs> you used your tech skills. Stuff. Yes. And <laughs> lo and behold, I mean, the, 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 the internet at that point was, you know, it was big enough that people had actually started to advertise themselves. Mm-hmm. And I came across a number of voice talent. And when I would click play, I would recognize their voices. These were all the people that I heard at night. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's funny because the, the coach that I found, she asked me the same question you had. And I, mm-hmm. I told her the same story. You know, I called every talent who popped up on my scraper. And I asked them, you know, who did you study with? Who did you study with? And mm-hmm. I would write down the names and I kept a little database and I would add click plus 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 plus. And eventually <laughs> like one name popped up to the top and that was you crowdsourced your your oh, recommendation. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes, most definitely. Um wow. and so I called this lady up and the first question she had was, How did you find my name? <laughs> Because uh, it well, was like I some industry script. secret or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I told her how. And she was like, wow, I have <laughs> never heard that one before. She's like, and... I understood this words, but I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And so, you know, that was. So you found a mentor. You found a, somebody to train you. I wouldn't say a mentor. I would say a coach. And now, coach? now the way Maurice okay. worked back then was she gave you this horror story. Hmm about the the failure of going into voiceover because you know Maurice is one of those people who um she tells you I don't waste your time you don't waste my time right and you know as long as we both understand that great and so I didn't call her back for a year I was so scared after mm-hmm. she explained to me the amount of work required and so a year goes by, and <clears throat> and you're you're working during that time, yeah. I was I was still over? working. Yep. Um, no, no, not not so much voiceover. I mean, I was doing voiceover. I was still working at Verizon, and at this point, I had started working, you know, weekends at radio stations. Um, I'm, okay. I'm I'm quite embarrassed to admit I worked at Radio America, one of two black mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I think I, I recall, know. and I I remember. Um, Remember an attempt to create the the alternative, and anyway, the whole thing is a mess. Yeah. Uh, b- by the way, the other black person who worked there is now at HBO, so it, it turned out great for both of us. Um, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you mean, take the great, gigs but... that are offered to you as best you can. Yes, yes, um, but yeah. So, so I was still working um, my day job, and I had my my weekend stuff going on. And I called up Maurice and I said, Maurice, I'm ready. What do I have to do? Nice. And, and she said, well, Kevin, first of all, you got to stop using your white voice. You got to stop using <laughs> the voice that, and, 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 and I can't stress this enough because I didn't even realize right. that I was doing this. And this is why I recognize this so readily amongst other African-American, black, you know, however people want to, identify themselves um mm. she said kevin mm. if you if you listen to <laughs> to the pitch of your voice when you finish a phrase that's where your voice is and i said wow i've never 
I'm, I'm never down there. And she, so she said, I give you permission to scare the hell out of kids. Right. Always. You know, it, this is fascinating because voice. Kevin, you know, it, it, it seems impossible to separate creative work from the social issues of the society we live in, you know, like oh, the, yeah. the social justice work that a lot of people are involved in. And that I know that uh, you and I are involved in uh, is inextricable from, uh, from any kind of professional work serving the community. Right. It's like you have one foot in that world, but in order to be yourself, you have to step in, you have to step outside of it. Mm. And Mm. it's, it's, oh, it's a real wake up call. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I grew my ugly locks because I wanted to your beautiful experience locks. the non-conform well right i i've seen beautiful locks i'm making a very clear distinction <laughs> mine are like the total natural locks right i don't comb them i don't do anything it's what god intended and but i do that because even around black people they look at me and they're like dude dude you gotta do something with that <laughs> go, go, so okay go so you, you put them out just so, as a way of saying i am who i am Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like you, you step outside outside of the reality that people have created, which is, you know, it's false. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just let the creator create. Right. And that applies, you know, to the big man upstairs and to the little man inside. And so right. it, it's, it's right. really I, I learned volumes about myself. Um, mo- most importantly, it's like there are so many things. I just don't care about anymore. And, you know, urgently this, urgently that. Well, no, it's urgent for you because you're on someone else's timeline, but it's not for me. Right. Right. So it's almost as if I say, ironically, uh, that artistic growth has a lot to do with personal development and understanding. 100%. (laughs) Self-awareness. Yeah. You just have to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are more concerned about acceptance and mm-hmm. to achieve acceptance, you have to become what other people define Expect. you as. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's talk. So it sounds to me that you committed to this career as a voiceover artist and you found a great coach and you worked at it. Um, you were very, the story you told about finding the coach, uh, shows a lot of tenacity. So you pursued it with some vigor. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the practices that you learned? Do you have daily practices, especially early in your career? How do you care for your instruments? And, you know, uh, are the things that you're doing on the business end, you know, to keep the career moving forward? Like, let's talk about what, what did you learn? What did you do on a daily basis that helped you move forward? Okay, so <clears throat> in this industry, there's really, in my opinion, well, what I'll address what I've done to, to keep my instrument going. Mm-hmm. Then Perfect. I'll answer the other question. Yeah. Um, initially, I did all the exercises that people talked about. Maybe my mo, maybe my mo, maybe my mo, maybe my, all those kind of things, Right. Right. Uh, Very uh, similar to what a singer might. Exactly. Like the pencil in the mouth or, or, or I, I ordered (laughs) a bag of corkscrews 
because <laughs> you hold those between your teeth and you read your copy like that, and it forces those muscles to over enunciate. And right. so, wow. <clears throat> initially, it's all about this muscular development that typically, you know, any it's muscle memory. You're doing it all day. Those mm-hmm. muscles do get tired. Um, if you're doing it wrong, they get tired faster. Um, so that was the initial uh, part of what I was doing, just the actual training of the muscles. Training and, of the, yeah, yeah, of your instrument. Right. Yeah. Typically, I would say embouchure, but I'm not playing an instrument any longer. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> okay. I didn't, <clears throat> in, in, Once in terms a brass of, player, always a brass player. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for my voice, I had to, I had to get used to getting comfortable talking down here all the time. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that, that I was afraid to talk down here. My voice actually changed again in that process. It mm-hmm. was deeper than what Maurice had heard. And so right. what happens is, is if I just, if I talk in this range for like say five minutes, it'll stay this way for the rest of the day. Hmm. And there are <clears throat> there are some people I I talk to and they oh that's your morning voice, Kevin. No, it's not. <laughs> no, my morning voice is a whole lot deeper than this. Um, but so so that was also part of the part of the practice, you know, just getting your voice in the range that you're going to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then, right. you know, it, it's it's funny because once you, I had I had formed all these relationships because of my phone calls, you know, incessant phone calls to people. They, right, the guys that were making seven figures, they were cool. I mean, if you run into people who are really doing this, mm-hmm. and they love their work, if you ask them for help, help they share it with you. That was mm. new for me because I was so used to the opposite, but. In this particular industry, I don't know if it's this way with all of them. They're, they're really cool about this stuff. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of the guys told me, Kevin, you're talking louder than we work. So we always work very quietly. Mm. And your voice would never get tired if you stay in this whisper, in this whisper pitch, you know. And so right. what we call this is a whisper read, you know. Tonight, uh-huh. eight seven central. You know, uh, <laughs> right. it, it, it's yeah. that low volume, right? A- and that has its caveats too, because you have to get right up on the microphone to do that. Which brings us to the next training process, which is mic technique. Um, right. Some yeah. of these... So, in a way, your instrument is your voice, and in another way, your instrument is your microphone. Yes, it, it's totally connected, and you have to be able to place your voice and use your. So, I, I guess the easiest way to practice this: some people use a candle, an inch and a half, two inches away from your face, and you should be able to read your copy without that moving. Oh, I see. Yeah, wow. That's because we don't want to pop the peas and all that other kind of stuff. I see. So. Interesting. Yeah. So you're <clears throat> you're preventing yourself from actually doing all the pop, pop, pop sounds that I'm making exactly. right now. <laughs> right. And, and when you hear, so when you listen to the TV, you know, these promos mm-hmm. on TV, these people are masters. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the thought process is, oh, they fixed it in post. 
No, they didn't. Mm. It went to post <laughs> sounding exactly like it does right, right. there. And, and, and that's really it. Uh, and, and so, but it takes a lot of practice to get to the point that you don't pop those peas that way. Right. And it's funny because I can sit here on this little mic that I'm using right now and I can pop peas all day. But if I go in my booth and I do it from there, forget it. There's not going to be pop peas. There's not going to be, <laughs> right. it's like a whole different, you know, you go into Kevin the comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin um, comes out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like Beyonce talks about her alter ego. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. My coach used to always say, you wear a different pair of shoes. You wear one pair of shoes for one type of read. And, you know, you have some that you wear for trailer. You have some that you wear for, um, you know, your sports promos. You have business shoes for anything that's a corporate, you know, narration. And you right. never wear those shoes outside of the booth. Those are tools to keep you mm. in that character, keep you grounded throughout that whole session. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. People so. say have a place to do certain activities, right? If like, if you're going to have a habit of writing on, on a daily basis, then, you know, there's a desk for it or, or exactly. if you have a habit of, you know, you know, practice music in the same room, you know, uh, or whatever, uh, that you don't use for watching TV or whatever the other activities. Um, when I started looking for voice talent, I thought everyone lived in LA. <laughs> I was in yeah. Northern Virginia at the time. Hal Douglas, okay. Hal Douglas lived in Virginia, up along, uh, I think it was Route 15 that goes up into Harper's Ferry in Maryland. Oh, yeah. West, and, yeah Harper's Ferry is across the river in uh, West Virginia, actually. Right, when you cross the Potomac. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, you have to understand, Hal was always my favorite voice talent of all nice. voice talent. Um, uh-huh. He's the guy who, he read like this, and da 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 Da, 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 da. I, I can't even yeah. do it. I sound like an yeah. idiot doing but it. But he's got kind but, of a sing song kind of quality. Yes, with an with the with like the smile that oh, it was yeah. just yeah. like uncomparable. Um, he would read a horror film with a smile, and you would be like, "I feel like Grandpa read that to me." <laughs> that was Hal's delivery. Yeah, he used to yeah. do to be the voice for the A and E. Or the WB. When the WB right. first came out, that was all how. And unfortunately, he's passed away. But when I first met him face to face, it was at one of Maurice's workshops. And and I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this for a specific reason. Okay. And so they bring Hal Douglas in, and it's like the whole room melted. Um, how <laughs> was. Because everybody knew him. Oh, yeah. yeah. How was. Like. Yeah. Like, I'll put it like this. If you ever see five men in a trailer, uh-huh. you see Don LaFontaine and all the other voice characters, but there's a reason why Hal is the only voiceover in the film. Mm. And it's because even those five people knew Hal <laughs> <laughs> Douglas is, you know. Next level uh, talent. Yeah. yeah, just, just Hal did things his way. Because yeah. as he said, I don't have the same kind of voice that these guys have. So right. if he did right. three takes, every take was going to be different. Each, And this is what he <clears throat> he explained to us. Every word has its own life. It's got its mm. start. It's got its end. It's got its middle. And so every take, each word should be different. 
Mm-hmm. And if you are really into um, treating the copy as an organic um, mm-hmm. essence, that's what's going to happen. You don't have to force this stuff to happen. It's just going to happen by itself. Yeah. You're, and, you're reminding me of, you know, some of the master actors of our gener- generation. We, we just lost Ian Holm this week, and, mm-hmm. and I've heard many stories about him that suggest that he was one of those actors that every take was a work of genius. And, and you know, the, the challenge was, you know, in an ed- editing room, figuring out which ones, which one yeah. of those works of genius to, to pick. We can piece these and, all together, and they're all, they all work together. How do we choose? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And then what do we do with what's left on the floor? You know, I don't want to throw that out either. Um, but Hal, Hal, told, <laughs> Hal told me one day during lunch, he said, Kevin, <clears throat> I always pause before each take. He, um, he was into yoga. I can't think mm-hmm. of what you call the things that people who do yoga do. But basically. Mantras? Yeah. Are Maybe they mantras? I don't know if they're mantras. I, I really don't know. This or is do my, you mean like the physical activity or something more mental? No, it was like unto a prayer. Yeah. It might yeah, be a mantra. Really. Yeah. But well, what what he would do before every take, he would get quiet and he would go through this process mm-hmm. and then he would do his delivery. There it is. And so that's one of the things that I borrowed from Hal. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Um, you know, I will say <laughs> uh, as, as a Baha'i, I'll say my remover, removers of difficulties. Uh-huh. And so I do that before each take silently to myself. And so my booth becomes not just, you know, I'm not just going in here to do work. It, it's, it's more or less my own uh, place for worship as well. Um, yeah. You know, you know this, is, this is fascinating because I think it gets to the heart of creativity. It's like there's a mysterious process happening here we are connecting to something that's a little bit bigger than us or maybe infinitely bigger than us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's impossible to separate creativity from that, that mysterious sense of human spirituality. Um, that's what Haydn yeah. used to talk about. He would, he, I, I read this in Paul, one of Paul Hindemith's books. He said, mm. uh, Haydn did never said that he created anything. Um, each one of us, could reach up to the same piece of, of music and pull it down and transcribe it. Right. Yes. But, if we train our instrument. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. You do have to have, you know, honed your instrument to, to be able to tap into that, you know, in a way that expresses itself through our own personal, you know, whatever we've learned mm-hmm. <laughs> craft-wise. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like the inspiration and then there's craft, yeah? Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, wow, it's been one, so wonderful. Hey, Kevin, it's just obviously a joy just to listen to your voice. And, and I really appreciate uh, you sharing so much uh, of your journey and uh, look forward to, um, to what the future holds as well. Awesome. Likewise, 52 Sketches. Thank you. Love that Thank name. You, Kevin. All right. Yeah, wonderful. Yes. Okay. Have a great have a great day. You too. You too. Thank Take you. care. The 52 Sketches podcast is a product of 52 Sketches, makers of earlywords.io. Daily, private, stream of consciousness writing to clear your mind and unlock your creativity.